Well, again, if you got your Bibles and you want to turn with us to John chapter 12 and mark that, and you can also turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read uh, in those places in just a little bit. And in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, probably some of the most powerful scripture about Jesus and his resurrection and his victory over death. This morning our title would be Dying to Live. Dying to Live. I love the picture of a baptism because it shows a soul going under the water, not dying and staying there, but rising again in the newness of life. They're a new creature. They don't begin to live until you've died in Christ. You really do not know what it's like to live in Christ. Now, I know a lot of people out there today say, Preacher, you guys just going to have to let you guard down to live life a little bit. Folks, when I found Jesus, I found out what it was like to live. Live in peace. Live in happiness. To live in harmony. To live in contentment. To live with satisfaction. To live with all of these things. But it only happened after I died in Jesus. So this morning when we talk about dying to live, you as an individual, I as an individual, there was a point in our life that we had to, and if there's a person that's unsaved, there will be a time in their life when they must die to sin. Let me read to you if I can, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read you the 36th verse. Thou fool... That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. So in other words, that which you are sowing, it has to go through a process. It has to die in order to live. Let's go back to the book of John chapter 12. He's down the 24th verse, if you will, for just a minute. And read along with me. Except, let's, let's read this verse. Except a corn or a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Christ is going to talk about the, the comparison to Calvary. Not as something that is easy. Not as something that was enjoyable. But it was something that was necessary. If life was going to be had, or if life was going to be enjoyed, then a death had to happen. Folks, the only way that you will ever be saved is to first be lost. Now I want you to ponder that for just a minute. In order for a person to ever be saved, they must first be lost. Lost is separated from God. When we're born into this world, we're not separated from God. We... Infants that are born do not have the comprehension and understanding that they are a sinner. Now, if, if time tarries long enough and God uses the gospel, He's going to reveal their sinful nature unto them and they will realize they're lost, they're separated from God, and they need a Savior. But that's not lost until God reveals that unto an individual. So you see, in order for a person to have a spiritual life, that death has to happen. There's a spiritual death. Listen to what we're reading about here. That, that, that Jesus himself says, in that 24th verse, he teaches us, except a corn of wheat 
fall into the ground and die. Folks, Jesus is saying that Calvary is a must. Jesus must die. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about. It's about Jesus dying and not only dying, but Jesus resurrecting. We see here in John chapter 12, it said, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. Folks, if you take Calvary out of the equation and you take Calvary out of our life, we have no hope. We don't know what living is. Now, we can enjoy life and we can enjoy a lot of things. But I hope you will agree with me this morning when I tell you there is a vast difference in enjoying this life and enjoying the next life. Folks, this life is not what it's all about. It's all about the next life. But we, we're kind of getting our wires crossed. People are all about living it up and enjoying things and putting the things of God off. But I am one that I have a very deep conviction, folks, that the best is yet to come for the saints of God. Do I believe that we can enjoy life? Yes. Do I believe that there's happiness in life? Yes. But folks, there is no life like spiritual life in Christ Jesus. That's this life we're talking about today. When we say today, dying to live. Jesus today wanted us to live and not just live for, for 70, 80, 90 years or even before the flood when a man lived to be over 900 years old. God wants us to live, but he wants us to have eternal life. You want to talk about the difference in Methuselah that lived to be 969 versus eternal life? They're not even a comparison. Folks, in eternity, and I know that time doesn't exist, but if time existed in heaven, 969 years is just the beginning of eternal life. That's not even the beginning. You ain't even told the line yet, folks. It has only just begun. Aren't you glad today to know that God wants us to have something, not just to enjoy the days on this earth, but to enjoy everlasting life? You, you see, Jesus, he emphasized that during his ministry, that the important thing for you to understand is that you must be ready for eternal and you must receive everlasting life. Not something all the days of you, this life, but everlasting life. And that's why in John chapter 12, Jesus is talking about the great... A great image here, if you will, about how that people, if they're going to be saved, that they must have this spiritual life. He says this seed is going to fall to the ground and it's going to die. Now, when this seed falls into the ground, you may think, well, it's lived its life. It's lost its purpose. When something dies, we think, well, it's lost its purpose. No, it's found its purpose when it dies. Because then it begins to produce more and it begins to produce even a greater. You see, Jesus, it was necessary for him to die. We're not going to get to heaven any other way than through the cross of Calvary. That's not going to happen. But people, in order to live, they're going to have to die. In order for you and I to live, Jesus was going to have to die. Isn't it amazing? And I kind of find it, it's, a, it's like a paradox that you've got to die to live. But that's exactly what happens. You have to die to yourself. In other words, you've got to die from what you can do. You've got to die to what you want. You've got to die to the way that you were born and say, I need newness in Christ. Sometimes salvation is kind of misconstrued, but the truth is today that, that newness happens in your heart. That newness happens inside of you when you seek after Him and you pray. And it's not always what comes out of your mouth, but it's about what really comes down uh, out of your heart. 
Jesus teaches us in the book of Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read you this verse in verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus behooved. In other words, it was necessary. It was, it was in order, you might say, for Christ to suffer, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Folks, there was no other way that man was ever going to be able to have eternal life had Jesus not suffered and died. And three days later, he rose again. And I know there's lots of speculation about, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that people think that, that, that maybe that, that, that his body was stolen. Folks, the truth is that, that his body was not stolen because the grave clothes were there and they were folded. We see that, that it's important that we understand today that, that it's necessary for Jesus to die. For notice what Calvary did. Jesus says in John 12 and 24, he said, It must fall into the ground and die. Jesus was going to have, and he must experience a life. And he must experience that death so that we might find life. And we see today that that's the whole purpose is that Jesus was coming was not just to, to, to perform the miracles. The reason that Jesus was coming is he wanted to give life. And he wanted to give life more abundantly. Folks, you know what I believe in today is that you can have life but you can also have life more abundantly. There, there, there's, there's over the top kind of happiness and, and satisfaction that you can have in your life. But you must die to yourself. We might get to Romans chapter 6 in a little bit. But it talks about how that, that we must lay aside what we want and what we can do in our ways. And we must die to Christ. Say, you know what? Jesus, whatever you want me to do, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. But you know, the Sunday school answer is, just do what Jesus tells you to. You know where the struggle is? It's hard. The struggle with doing what the Spirit of God speaks into you is, it is not our nature. And would you agree with me when I say, living a Christian life is not easy. Now, I don't mean that it's painful in the fact that people make fun of you or laugh. I'm talking about it's hard because you have a fleshly desire, but you've got something deep inside of you that is drawing you closer to God. What a blessing it is today that if we want to live and experience that life, that we must lay aside and crucify our flesh and say, Christ, what do you want? Here in John chapter 12, it says, It must fall into the ground and die. And it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You know, this death had to fall into the ground. To die, it died alone. And I say it, we're talking about a seed. But you know what? Jesus had to die a lonely death. Why? Why else would you notice that in the, in the middle of the crucifixion, when it was noon, when the sun should be shining, much like what you were experiencing right now, there was a great, a great darkness that come upon. Folks, not even God could look upon the scene that was happening. Not even God could look upon the scene of what Jesus was doing for mankind. Jesus died a death alone. Why? For let's read the rest of that verse. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. One had to go through an experience so that a multitude could have that same experience. Folks, I believe there's a whole lot of people coming out of that grave one day. Do you believe? There's a whole lot of people going to come out of that grave. Now, it may not be a majority of people, but there's a whole lot of people that's going to rise again. Jesus died and he rose again. We are going to die and raise again in our fleshly bodies. But before you're going to have that, that physical resurrection with a glorified body, you must have a spiritual relationship. 
And a spiritual birth that's going to transpire and, and happen. Notice when we talk about that a man must die. For he said when it does, it says it bringeth forth much fruit. Because of what Jesus did on Calvary, you and I today, uh, we can experience uh, a, a true newness of life inside of us. But let's go back to John and let's read just a little bit more in that 23rd chapter. Excuse me, the 23rd verse. But the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified, and verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. In other words, if you love the way things are, you love all the pleasures and the, the fun things of this life, he said, you're going to lose out on what life is all about. But he that hateth his life in this world, he said, when a person understands that this world is temporary, he says, and they shall keep it unto life eternal. Do you see that the crossing that's happening there? He said, there are people that exist that love this life and they love the world. He said, but they're not really going to experience life. What are, are you part of that group today that just loves the things of the world? He said, if that's the case, he said, you're going to realize, he said, you're missing out. But when you hate, or the word hate just means you're not comfortable with it. When you're not comfortable with the sin and the wickedness and the evil that's around us, and you have the hope of a better tomorrow that's going to happen, then you're finding out what eternal life is all about. It's a separation. This world is not meant to be happy. This world is not meant to be perfect. This world is not meant to bring you satisfaction. Matter of fact, the scriptures teach us quite opposite of that. That this earth and this world and this life, they're going to bring us pain. Man born and woman is but a few days and full of sorrows. Isn't that what Solomon said in Proverbs? He said, we're born in this world and these are the things that happen to us. But here we see that Jesus is teaching us. He said, if any man... If any man today, he said, uh, that, that would love his life, he said, and then hateth his life in this world, he shall keep it unto life eternal. I think the Greeks a lot of times were a little confused because they didn't know what it was like for the dead to have to rise again. But Jesus is teaching them. He said, oh yes, there is life going to come out of death. And again, it's the paradox. What do you mean there's life's going to come out of death? When you surrender and you die to yourself and you say, Lord, you are going to reign in my life. You are, in, you, you are going to be the one to lead and guide me. I surrender my life to yours. When we die, we find life is going to be in Christ Jesus. But you have to understand the weight and the, and the severity of the sin. But notice what he talks about in that 24th verse. He talks about in that 24th verse how important it is that, that it fall into the ground and die. And he says, it must abideth alone. For the 21st verse says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. In other words, as long as we continue to live our life in what we want, we'll never find happiness. But we must find it in the Lord. I want to turn over to the book of Romans for just a minute. Romans chapter 6, so we mentioned this just a minute ago. There's a. Do you believe, before I get the next, do you believe that sin shackles us, restricts us, and ties us down? 
Let me ask you this. Sin is a burden, right? Do you think there's a difference in running a race freely versus wearing a 100-pound weight on you? Absolutely. Folks, today's sin weighs us down. It slows us down. I used to sometimes take those ankle weights and I'd wrap them around my ankle. They were just full of sand. You would run. You'd take them off. You're like, man, I'm free. I don't have these weights on me. We live this world and then all of a sudden when we're set free of the power of sin, notice what happens different in our life. When, when, when you go to baptizing and someone's laid in the water and they've died to themselves and they've been raised again in a new creature, notice what happens. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We're not going to go out here and just sin more so that we can experience more grace. He said, no. He said, what's going to happen is when you're saved, you're going to have a desire to do the right thing. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Remember what we said is that if we're baptized with him in his death, if he rose again, guess what? We too rise again too. Therefore we are buried with him in ba- by baptism into death. That like as Christ, just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. He says, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together, here comes this word planted again. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. If we are hand in hand, one in one with Christ, if he has risen again, we too will rise again. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Do you get this image when a person's baptized? He said, this old man, he's destroyed in the Spirit of God, but he's not going to remain in that state. He's going to rise again. He says that henceforth we should not, listen to this word, serve sin. Now you know what it means to be a servant, don't you? It means to be a slave. When you're lost and you've not been saved by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and washed in the blood of Jesus, we are slaves. In other words, we have no control of that. But you know what I believe today? I believe that the blood of Jesus can set you free. The blood of Jesus can set you free. You can die to your old self. You can rise again in newness of life. And he said, you will not be a servant of sin. In other words, instead of being under the influence of sin, he said, now you're going to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Go back to the first verse. He said, does that mean we're just going to sin more so that we can experience more grace? He said, absolutely not. He said, what you're going to see is when you've been saved, he said, you're going to crucify your wishes and desires and you're going to follow after him. For verse 7 says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. This is a pretty rich chapter when you look at it. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In other words, that's all it took. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to the dead indeed unto sin, but also unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal 
bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. That means present, give, surrender to God. Let me ask you this. If we give to God, in no way is He going to cast us out if you surrender. But there's also, if you give it to God, what's God going to do to your life? Do you think God's going to make your life worse? Absolutely not. He will make your life better. When you talk about dying to live, when you surrender to God, He'll give you that life. He said that you yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. He said, but now you're under grace. I'm thankful today that God desires that we might be able to experience that uh, that newness of life that only He can give. For I want to turn back to a verse that we read this morning in Sunday school in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and let me read down to and read the 24th verse, 23rd verse. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. He said, Satan, you want me to do the things that are not of God, but those things of men. So those things that be of men. Do you see the distinguishing things that Jesus said? He said, there are things of God and there are things of men. Two different kinds. Do you know where your battle is right now? The battle is against the flesh and the spirit. That's where the fight is. If you're here and you're not been saved, you don't have the instrument or the being or the strength to overcome that. That must be given to you by heaven. When you seek after God and you turn it and you surrender, you'll find that what you need. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, for, for you have the desire, he said, to give me the things that are not of God, but those things of men. Then Jesus then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me. I think what Jesus is saying is, is that following me is it's not that he's saying it's going to be easy because denying yourself is not easy. You need help doing that. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A lot of people give up right then and there because they cannot lose sight of what they want to do. Folks, a church is never about what I want to do. A church is never about what you want to do. Our lives and our beliefs are never about what the common, maybe the popular belief in the world is today. It's all about saying, Jesus, in, in the Word of God, what is that implied to me? We must die if we're going to live. We must die to ourselves. For he said he must deny himself. <clears throat> but here's where it gets a little tricky. Notice the three things that are listed right here. None of them are easy. One, he said he must deny himself. He must take up a cross, which, by the way, is not going to be easy. You've got to follow after him. Listen to this. He said, he must deny himself, take up his cross. If I told you to take up the crown, we would all jump on that, wouldn't we? If I told you to pick up the things that were easy, you would jump on that. A lot of times if we're trying to move, 
I have to confess, sometimes I'm looking for the lighter items. Because I want to grab the stuff that's easy. Give me the pillows and the pillow cushions. I'll let somebody else get the couch. But you know, in our life, sometimes we, we, want to, we want to pick up the easy things. Jesus said, no. He said, you've got to pick up your cross. Every one of us this morning, we have a cross to bear. Not to discourage or to tell you it's wrong, but we need strength to bear that cross. Let him take up his cross. The place by which we crucified our sin. He said, take up the cross. And he says, and follow after me. There's a lot of people today that when it says follow after me, it talks about how that they must be devoted. They must be dedicated to following after him. You know, sometimes when you're following after the Lord, sometimes when the Lord's dealing with you, you have to lay yourself aside. You know, in a very similar sense, I remember the night I got saved, I was t- I almost talked to myself and I was like, you know what? I- I've got to seek the Lord. And I-, I-, I just said, one, two, three, let's go. And I-, I had to overcome my own wishes. I wanted to hold on a little longer. And I had to tell myself that you must just let go. And I had to fight against my own self. Nobody was holding me in that pew. Do you know who was holding me in that pew? Myself. Do you know all those Sundays and, 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 and Sunday nights or revivals that, that I went in and I just sat in the pew? There was nobody that tied me down. There was nobody that sat upon me and held me there. I kept myself there. If you're here this morning and you've not been saved, there is no one that is holding you in that seat, but you've got to deny yourself. What you have, a, I don't want to say a desire to do, but what your natural instinct is to do. For he said he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Is there anything between you and Christ this morning? Is there anything between you and Christ? Or have you done all of those things where he denied himself, you took up your cross, and you followed after him? Where he leads me, I will follow Sure, we as saved people will stand this morning and say that, Lord, wherever you're leading me, wherever you would have me to go, that's the place I want to be. But today, if you're here and you've never been saved by the grace of God, then you too must surrender. You too must die to sin. If you're going to live, you're going to have to first die. You're dying to live. That's exactly what you've got to do. And when a person is saved, they become a new creature in Christ Jesus and they walk in the newness of life that we've talked about even here this day. You know, what is the Lord asking you to do today? What's the Lord asking you to cleanse yourself of? And what is the Lord asking you to to sacrifice and give up? I'll tell you this, anything that you give up of yourself, God will give you something far greater than what you have for yourself. For every one of us that's ever been saved, we can be a testimony to that very fact. God gives us something far greater than what we gave Him. You know why? What did you that are saved people give Christ? You gave Him sin. You gave Him unrighteousness. What did He give you in return? He gave you... We gave Him the unrighteousness. He gave us the righteousness. He gave, we gave Him sin. He gave us a, a, a heart that has been purged and cleaned and washed whiter than snow. When we give it to Him, notice what He gives us. Today, how many of us are dying to live? And how many people are living it up? Maybe it's the word we could even use. My prayer this morning is this. That if you have something going on deep down inside of you that's asking you to die of yourself, 
Maybe it's to seek after the Lord. Maybe it's to unite with the church. Maybe it's to be a witness. Maybe you've got to sing. Maybe you've got a, a testimony you've got to give. I don't know this, but I do know how the devil works. He gives you reasons not to do it. But you've got to die to yourself. Go back and read Romans chapter 6 again. You must die to yourself and let Christ have his way. I wonder how often we walk out of these doors and we've done, every one of us, everything we should do. I pray this morning is that day that we all do everything that's on our hearts and we submit to the Holy Spirit of God in His ways, in His wishes and desires. That's what I had this morning. I'm finished. Let's get a song.